Executive Editor of Farm Equipment. Welcome to Farm Equipment's Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmaps Podcast. In this episode brought to you by Iron Solutions, host Casey Seymour of Moving Iron LLC and 21st Century Equipment sits down with George Burkhaw of Burkhaw Insurance Group. If this is your first time listening, you can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, or TuneIn Radio. We're also now on Spotify. By subscribing, you're alerted when each new episode's released. Let's listen in as Casey and George discuss crop insurance and how prevent planting works and the pros and cons of going that route. They also discuss how crop insurance will play a role this year with many areas of the U.S. experiencing excessive rain and flooding. Today, my guest is George Burkaw of Burkaw Insurance Group, and I got George on here because I know enough about uh, about uh, crop insurance to know that I don't know anything. So I wanted to get George on to talk about the stuff, and we've got a lot of stuff going on right now in the marketplace that has to do with prevent plant, and I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of confusion out there of what that is and what and how that affects everything. So, George, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure, man. So. <clears throat> kind of like I told you earlier when we got started, I said I know about as much about crop insurance as I do nuclear fission, so neither one I know much about. So this is going to be as much education for me as it is anybody else listening to this program. So before we get started, though, George, I want give a little bra- uh, background on yourself and, and how long you've been in the uh, crop insurance business. Well, uh, I'm located over in uh, southern Indiana. Uh, I operate, I've uh, got uh, clients uh, in four states, Indiana, uh, Ohio, Kentucky, and Illinois. So I cover a good portion of the Eastern Corn Belt. And uh, most of the growers I'm fortunate to work with are pretty progressive. So they're pretty good-sized growers. And they understand the, the need for uh, crop insurance and marketing to work together. I think that's the, the, the big unknown of, of crop insurance. I think... Uh, Folks think you need to have it to keep your banker happy, uh, which you do. But uh, I think the bigger key to this is that uh, crop insurance is a tool, just like uh, your grain bins are a tool, so that you can utilize the insurance to help you market better, especially where a lot of guys are uh, waiting until uh, harvest to let the market take where they will. Uh, crop insurance allows you to uh, uh, go ahead and, and uh, forward contract grain and even before I know it's uh there's there's several several dates that that are important in in this crop insurance discussion that we have especially when it comes to corn every crop has a has a date that that is out there right now that is going to have an effect on whether it's insurable or not so we, we've hit some of those uh some of those time frames here with with corn because of the rain situation and, and different things that are happening out there but you know prevent plant now is dominating the landscape when we start talking about what we see in the news and and what we hear from from everyone around us so i think that's probably the best place to start in this conversation that we're having today is is uh what is prevent plant and and what does that mean and how does it work so by definition Prevent planting is uh, the failure to plant a insured crop uh, with proper equipment by the final planting date or during the late plant period. So you hit on the, the final plant date that are have either passed or are, are approaching. So you've got um, you know a bulk of the western corn belt. So I'm talking uh, Nebraska, South Dakota, North Dakota, northern Minnesota. Their final plant date is May 25th for corn. Uh, you've got May 31st, uh, that'll hit the rest of Minnesota, a good portion of uh, Wisconsin and Iowa, 
as well as Kentucky uh, and parts of Missouri. So at that point, um, and then the remaining dates, uh, that's June 5th for uh, Illinois, Indiana, uh, Michigan, and Ohio. What happens at the final plant date? That doesn't mean you you can't plant anything after that because um, uh, that on, on the final plant date, so let's take, uh, we'll talk uh, in Eastern Corn Belt terms here, uh, June 5th for a lot of my clients. Um, so and when June 5th occurs, they can, they've got really two choices at that point. They can go into the, the clients can say, hey, I'm done planning. Uh, the weather forecast is bad for the foreseeable future, and I can't get anything in the ground even if I wanted to. So at that point, they can file prevent plant claim. Uh, you have 72 hours um, after uh, your final plant date to file that claim. Uh, so my suggestion to anybody that's listening would be to go ahead and even if they expect to continue planning after that final plant date, to go ahead and file that claim on all all potential acres. And then as they continue to plant and the adjuster comes to visit, they can then withdraw acres, any acres that have been planted. So at that point, uh, after the final plant date, they can take prevent plant and not have to do another thing, or they can go forward and continue to plant into the late plant period. The, um, I guess the downfall of planting in a late plant period is that it goes on for 25 days after your final plant date. And then for every day that you're in that late planting period, you lose 1% of your coverage per day. So in the case of you're a grower that has 85% coverage and uh, June 5th, it is the final plant date and you decide to plant on you know, June 10th, then you're already down from 85% to 80% coverage. So and that continues all the way until you get to uh, the, in this case, the 25 days of the late plant period in, in which then you get down to 50% coverage. So that's as low as you're going to get. So, and then of course, beans have a, a different final plant date and we have not approached that yet. And in our case of uh, the Eastern Corn Belt, that date would be June 20th. Uh, and it's a little earlier for those other for the other areas so i think you're talking june 10th june 15th and then like i said june 20th for for my area gotcha gotcha okay so but that's not that far away right the 10th to 15th that's two three weeks away and uh yeah no no not at all so here like you said okay we're two weeks away we're uh we're kind of working our way into this into these uh kind of drop dead dates i guess for lack of a better term as a crop insurance agent, and you're and you're talking to your clients, and you're talking to people that you work with, when when do you start making that decision? I mean, right now, I mean, you mean the way things are right now with the technology and planters and so on and so forth, they can plan a lot of stuff pretty quick if it gets dried up. To your point earlier, you know where you lose the one percent a day thing. If you if you buy eighty five percent coverage with your for insurance, and then you lose five percent. I guess, how does that work and, and what does that look like and, and how, how does those conversations start being had? I mean, where does that, I guess, in your professional opinion, when do those X and Y axes start to cross and it starts to make sense to, to look at maybe planting some late stuff? I guess a couple of things about prevent plant. So on um, corn, the payment would be 55% of your guarantee. So that would be, uh, if you again, if you took 85% coverage, uh, that would be 85% times your APH, your actual production history for, for the crop. And so uh, um, then it would be times $4, which is the spring price. And for, for, for prevent plant, 
the spring price is all we can use. Whereas on your regular multi-parallel coverage, you can use the either the spring price or the harvest price, whichever is higher. So in this case, let's just look at a, a situation where your APH is 200 bushels an acre. So it'd be 200 times $4 times the 85% coverage. So your revenue guarantee would be $680 per acre, but your prevent plant payment would be at 680 times 55% or $374 an acre. Now there are a couple of, there's a, there's a buy up on, on uh, uh, corn and give you an extra 5%. So if your, your policy has a, a PF on it uh, and your agent was uh, forward thinking enough to do that, that would go up to 60% prevent plant payment as opposed to a, a 55%. Um, and then if you decide that, hey, I, I, uh, I, I want to plant beans, uh, following that, that first crop, that prevented, that prevented crop, if, if you have that double crop eligibility, then that will take that payment down from 55% to 35%. So then, and then you would have to ensure that, that second crop, that bean crop as well. That also reduces the premium on your first, on that, on that corn insurance payment down to 35% of that premium as well. So there's, you lose a little bit on that side, but then you have the eligibility to plant B. As far as looking at uh, calculations, and that's what I've been doing for probably the past two weeks, is running calculations for my clients on uh, what prevent plant payments look like, what, uh, what, what it would look like if they came back in with uh, a second crop behind it, and, and what kind of uh, agronomic uh, sense does it make the plant later into uh, maybe that late plant period? Uh, as corn is continued to climb, uh, when you know we're talking about that 450 mark right now, they could close at 452 today. Uh, so as we get into that 450 mark, it makes it a lot more palatable to plant into that late plant period. And we are talking about a potential maybe 10 million acres of uh, acres that will be prevented from planting. Quite a few, um, um, and again, as we come up to these, these drop debt dates, uh, there are quite a few acres that are still left to be planted. So I think uh, um, that will have, uh, I guess, more play in the market and in, in enticing growers to continue to plant into that late plant period. Um, a lot of times, uh, again, from an agronomic standpoint, for, for my area, um, that June 10th time frame is where it you know, starts to get you know a little fuzzy about making sense. There are a couple of good sites that have extensive calculators. I know the Farm Doc Daily uh, site over at the University of Illinois Extension has a, a good calculator. So does um, the Extension at Iowa State. Uh, I think that address is Extension Iastate.edu. And then uh, more recently, uh, Purdue. Uh, extension put out a webinar, I think it was on May 23rd, that goes over um, the uh, not only the, the crop insurance considerations, but the agronomic management uh, considerations of uh, prevent plant as well. So those are three good sites that will, will, I guess, help give you some additional information about making making good decisions based on dollars and cents. Wow. Okay. So Let's talk about, okay, so if, there, if you don't have the opportunity to even go back and double crop beans or something like that back into that, those corn acres because of of it being wet or whatever that, that stopped you from doing that, let's just talk about this, the places where there's two feet of water standing in the fields. I mean, how does that work? How, how does that, that prevent, obviously there's a prevent 
plant scenario there, but you don't even have a chance to go plant anything else. So how does that work? So, so then you would take that, that 55% payment that we talked about on the corn. So it would, it would work off uh, again, off your, your APH or that history for that particular unit or section. And, and then, and then what you would need to do is essentially um, have documentation that uh, you intended to plant corn on those acres. And so documentation would be uh, seed receipts, fertilizer uh, receipts, and then, and then, of course, your, your previous history as well. And you would need to also report those prevented acres to your FSA office. And I've had some experience in the past uh, where um, it's prevent planning is supposed to be um, um, similar to activities in, in the county. So typically, you couldn't be the only uh, producer that claimed prevent plant in an area. So that, that's where uh, that documentation comes in handy. Um, I know that you've, you know, that there are areas that, that have several acres that are underwater, but there are also some, some areas that you may be the largest grower in that county and you can't get all your acres planted. Well, that's where uh, the meeting minutes from those uh, county committee meetings that go on on FSA come in handy uh, because, again, you may be the, have the largest amount of acres and just couldn't get to them because, well, it's just too wet. And, and that, those county committee meeting minutes uh, will go forward into helping plead your case on on prevent planning because it's it's not a given. There are still ways that you can fall out of eligibility for prevent plan. The first one being that uh, in the last four years, what's your highest number of acres planted? Um, that's that's the number one key. And if you uh, go out and try to pick up additional acres because you think, hey, uh, this prevent planting stuff sounds like it's a piece of cake, then uh, that that may not be the case if you go over your eligible acres. And then the the proving that you had enough seed, enough fertilizer uh, out there to, uh, to to plant those intended acres. And then as you move forward, if you decide you know, to put in a cover crop, you can't hay or graze. Um, that cover crop until November 1st. So if you if there's any proof that you did beforehand, didn't you either planted another crop that wasn't insured and harvested that or harvested a hay crop or grazed that that prevent plant acres before November 1st, then you could uh, void your, your prevent payment. Hey, tremendous amount of rules. So uh, my suggestion for, for uh, the folks listening would be to uh, contact their crop insurance agent, especially again as you get to your final plant date, because you only have that 72-hour window in which to report those uh, prevent plant acres. We'll get back to Casey and George in a moment, but first a quick word from the company who made this podcast possible. Iron Solutions has deep roots in the ag industry, with products for producers, dealers, manufacturers, ag retailers, and service providers. Visit www.ironsolutions.com to see solutions that streamline your operations, improve productivity, reduce costs, and speed your growth. A quick break in the action to invite you to our annual Dealership Mind Summit. Check out this unique management event for farm equipment dealers only at www.dealershipmindssummit.com. It's a quick hit, two-day mastermind style summit that connects you to your peers of all colors. Come participate and learn from the very best minds in the ag machinery dealer world, all seeking solutions to your same challenges. www.dealershipmindssummit.com. 
Let's get back to the program now as Casey and George discuss how payments from USDA's market facilitation program designed to assist farmers hurt by trade disruptions will work with crop insurance and prevent plant. They also talk about the possibility for disaster payments for areas like Iowa and Nebraska that have been hit with heavy flooding earlier in the spring. So prevent plant, you know, we're, we're, I think you said there's 10 million acres. I've heard 7 million. I've heard, you know, 11 million. I've heard all just large number of acres that are going to not get planted this year, which also, and then we've got the tariff thing going on and everything else that's there. So, but there's a tariff payment that's coming out too. So how does that work with, with crop insurance and this prevent plant thing? So the, the the tariff payment is the the rules are still pretty vague um, because they haven't been if the full details haven't been released yet. Um, however, I I note that there's a uh, farm progress um, on their website. They have an interactive map that um, estimates uh, the the MSP uh, per county, so you can get an idea. On what that looks like, and I think um, these payments are done by crop. Uh, what we're looking at as an average is somewhere around forty-seven dollars per acre uh, nationally. But if you're in areas that are heavy corn, those payments end up uh, lowering a bit to somewhere around like twenty-five dollars an acre. And of course, there's a limit on those payments of one hundred twenty-five thousand per entity. Um, so the, again, the, uh, it and those come in three three payments. I think the first one is supposed to occur somewhere around the end of July or early August, based upon um, the acreage reporting that goes on to uh, with the FSA offices. Um, then the next payments are supposed to be in that November window, and then um, in uh, January 2020. Now, the conditions of those payments being out there will be if if we still have a, a tariff situation in place. So it, it's likely that uh, we can have something resolved by the end of the year. So maybe you get uh, you know, that lie payment, but you don't end up getting maybe the November or January payment, or maybe you get the you know July and and November payment, but not not the January payment. Um, with that said, um, I would not base decisions uh, you know with thoughts that you're going to get uh, some sort of payment because these in the past have been based on planted acres and based on bushels and so uh, with with any kind of prevent plant that's out there it would be unlikely that you would see a payment now there's uh, there are some discussions within the senate right now about um, uh, flooded acres so those acres in iowa and nebraska that were impacted by the heavy flooding earlier in the spring and, uh, and and payments disaster payments based on that and so it's still unclear at the moment whether or not those those types of payments um, would move forward to other areas other than that uh, that heavy Midwest area that was hit. Those would those kind of payments would take into place both, I guess, your planted acres and your prevent acres. Um, so there, it's but it's still unclear, and that stuff's still up in the air. And it seems likely to get caught up in the in the house of whether or not uh, with all the politics. Whether or not those payments will get uh, will get pushed forward, those disaster payments, as we as we see them now. Yeah, that's that's been a big it's been a big deal there. It just seems like there's more just stonewalling than there's anything going on right now when it comes to politics. I guess it's kind of getting old. What are some of the biggest mistakes you've seen folks make? Some maybe 
like lack of uh, information, basically, and they're making decisions on something or some confusion they see somewhere. What what are some mistakes you see happening right now that that could have been maybe more easily recognized or or taken care of it in a different way by just simply doing something different? Like what 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 do you see out there right now? Well, I think there there are quite a few. I mean, as you noted, this is pretty complicated. I think for, first off, it's just it, making the assumption that the prevent plant payment is going to be, uh, I guess, easy to uh, to to obtain, and it's not easy. Uh, I think the the government has the viewpoint that uh, they they don't like paying growers uh, to to not plant acres. So that's why I guess they put in all these additional rules, uh, and these rules have continued to change over time. Um, and they change very drastically between from year to year. Predominantly, one of the major issues I see is that growers think that they're going to get uh, 55% of their of their APH as opposed to, uh, again, that 55% of their crop insurance guarantee. So, you know, it, it's a much different calculation when you're doing 55% of 200 bushels times $4.00. Instead of fifty-five percent of your eighty-five percent guarantee, um, so that starts to reduce things a little bit. Um, secondly, when we start looking at unit structure, so you have enterprise units, and a lot of growers are using enterprise units to make their uh, crop insurance costs less expensive. And enterprise units are based on a structure of twenty acres or twenty percent uh, in two sections. So in that case. Um, you could run into a situation where you think that you still have enterprise units and suddenly you find out you don't have enough acres planted uh, because these are based on planted acres. So in a case of, let's say that the insured plants 15 acres and then reports 40 acres as prevent plant in section one, and in section two, the insured plants 45 acres and reports 100 acres as PP. Um, so the total insured acres at that point would be 200 acres times 20%. So we would need 40 acres in each of those. It would need 40 acres in each of those sections to remain eligible. So um, since since the insured didn't pay, didn't plant 20 acres in both sections, he doesn't meet the 20% of the uh, of insured acres. He doesn't qualify for enterprise units. So he would have to roll over to either basic units or optional units at that point. So i make sure I understand this right. So enterprise unit is 20 acres or 20% of a section, right? Is that right? Yes. Okay. Yes. And then in order to have that, to be eligible for, for a preventative plant situation, they have to plant at least 20%. And if they can't do that, then they don't qualify. Is that, am I misunderstanding that? That, that that's correct. So they won't qualify for enterprise units. So it'll knock out their other other acres, uh, their planted acres that would be insured as enterprise enterprise units into something like an optional unit, which could in cases be double the, the insurance cost. So their their cost will could increase because of this. So if you have a grower out there someplace that's just say farms uh, hypothetical five thousand acres just for easy math, and twenty five hundred acres of it's underwater. And the other twenty five hundred acres is is uh, able to get the pl- to c- get the crop in on that twenty other twenty five hundred acres. That twenty five hundred acres is going to be more expensive to insure than it would be otherwise. It may be. It may be. It depends on if 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 these got 
at least two sections that have uh, either 20% or uh, 20% of that, uh, either 20 acres or 20% of uh, the total insured uh, acres. So it, it depends on how those those 2,500 acres are, are structured, their unit structure is set up, which is important because if you've got areas that are, let's say, smaller fields, and those smaller fields don't meet the threshold, then you know, then then either it can be knocked out um, into optional units, or um, you may not even be able to, to claim those acres because again, with, with prevent plant, it's the same deal. You've got to have either 20 acres or 20 percent of the unit um, that to be prevented from planning for them to be eligible. So it could knock them out of either either situation. Okay, so. Just so I can clarify this in my head, if I have a, <clears throat> if I have ten quarters right that I farm, and every all ten of those quarters are in a different section of ground, right? How's that? How's yeah. how, I mean? So the whole section's underwater, and except for ten percent of my of my one section that's in each one of those each one of those areas, you know. So I've got ten of them, seven of them are are I can't plant, but three of them I can. Right, so basically, seventy percent of my plantable acres, I I can't plant because they're flooded or whatever. Based on how their sections are set up, how does I mean? I guess I'm. How does that work? But those those th- other three sections. So I guess what I'm asking is, if you had, did all of my acres have to equal a section in order to for that to work, or how does that? I guess that's what I'm asking is how how does that how does that work? So in that case, I think the way that you explained it to me, having those, having seventy percent of those acres, they were, if if they're in, if those uh, other uh, that thirty percent of those acres are in multiple sections, uh, those planted acres, then that still leaves you eligible for for your enterprise unit discount. Whereas the other that seventy percent, again, as long as they're in at least two or more sections. Then they would be eligible for um, the the prevent planning as well. So there's really no way that, unless you just study this as a as a producer day in and day out, could you ever really understand what the hell you're doing? Well, I, I think it's a matter of, of of just having good communication with your crop insurance agent. Um, like I said, I've been on the phone with most of my growers um, um, for the last couple of weeks, and uh, and letting them know what the options are and giving them some insight into what goes on. Um, and and then as we get closer to final plant day, um, I'll, I'll I'll have some face to face visits with uh, with some of my growers just to make sure that um, what they're planning to do um, it, you know actually works and make sure that they're still eligible. You could literally think that you're doing the right thing, and then it could be completely wrong because of some little nuance in some part of the rule someplace. Absolutely, because you may. You may think that, especially if you're able to double crop beans, that you you filed your prevent plant claim on uh, June 6th, and you think that you're home free to, to plant beans, you know, June 15th or the you know the next next chance you get to plant, and that's not true. So if you're going to go in, you know, the one the the rule about planting after is planting uh, uh, in in our case would be um, June 25th, the the last day of the. Uh, uh, late plant period for corn would be the first opportunity that you would have to plant beans. So if you planted before then, 
that would avoid your prevent plant claim on your on your corn. So there's some of these there's some producers out there that are going to have a really financial hardship about this whole thing because of just the rules that are preventing them to go back and, and plant another crop on the same ground they would probably plant the soybeans on anyway. Absolutely. And, and I, I think making assumptions that you know the rules and that you are following the rules, um, that is dangerous because uh, that's where I would make sure to, again, stay in contact with your agent, make sure that agent's talking to uh, a, a, a company adjuster to make sure everybody's on the same page. Because um, I've had questions, uh, you know, in multiple scenarios of, well, what if I only had uh, 10 acres that I was going to the claim prevent plan on? Um, can I do that? No, it doesn't. It doesn't meet that threshold of um, the 20 acres or 20 percent. And and so then you know growers would continue to ask, uh, well, how can I make make sure this is eligible? And and so that's the key is making sure that um, you're one following the rules too, um, that you're keeping, um, documentation to document, uh, um, you know, your eligibility as well. Because I, I, you know, the, I guess the, the end of the day, what I tell most growers is plant until you can't just mainly because, um, you're going to be able to take advantage of any type of price rally on the corn side, which you're not eligible to take advantage of from a, prevent plant standpoint you're more the rules are not clear as far as any of these the uh, tariff payments yet but it's likely that they're not going to be paid on prevented acres um, so you're more eligible for those uh, for those payments as well and so um, and, and and quite frankly I I think that the growers as long as they are utilizing the insurance tools utilizing their marketing tools they are going to be in better a better financial situation um, even if the crop doesn't look pretty as long as it's planted you can then look at uh, um, harvest claim from that point and that harvest claim will will uh, take the higher of the, the, the spring price or harvest price and in this case on corn it looks like great potential because of all these prevented acres that are out there that the harvest price will end up being the the higher the two may maybe by a good good amount wow there's a lot more to this than i thought there was going to be so man this is a uh, this is good information um george and and i uh i appreciate you being on the podcast if uh if folks wanted to reach out to you and ask you some questions or you know maybe get some clarification on something or maybe you could help them point in the right direction what would be the best way for them to do that uh email would be the best uh it's uh, my first name george at big b i g crop dot a g so big crop dot ag all right george at big crop dot ag right on man well george like i said i appreciate you being on here and you you opened my eyes to a whole bunch of stuff that i had no clue about so i appreciate that and i'm sure there's some folks out there listening to that now have more questions than they have answers so well thank, thanks for having me and anytime i can help answer some questions or if uh, if i need to come on again and make uh, give some more more clarity to uh, a really murky subject you're welcome I'm, I'm welcome to do so oh man yeah anytime you want to come back on make sure you just let me know you're always welcome so appreciate that george and uh, take care of yourself thanks casey and george we've got even more used equipment remarketing resources that we're sending your way in addition to this podcast 
We're also tapping into Casey's expertise across all of our informational channels. If you've got a question for Casey, I'd encourage you to head over to farm-equipment.com backslash AskTheExpert. Submit a question and we'll get Casey's answer to it up on our Ask the Expert blog. Thanks once again to Iron Solutions for sponsoring this series. Iron Solutions provides dealers like you with an array of lifecycle management services that drive sales and profits. The Iron Search and Iron Guide suite of solutions is all about managing each dealership more efficiently and profitably, while Iron Search allows you to directly showcase your used equipment online to a wider universe of buyers. Visit www.ironsolutions.com today. You can keep up on the latest industry news by registering online to receive our free newsletters. Visit www.farm-equipment.com. For Casey and George, as well as our entire staff here at Farm Equipment, I'm Kim Schmidt. Thanks for listening.